Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. to Rule the Roost podcast. I wanted to wait until the transfer window had slammed shut. Slammed shut, that's what they say, isn't it? Slammed, it doesn't just close. Slams shut. You don't slam windows, but actually you can slam double glazed windows, can't you? Bill, Billy T, hello, welcome to the show. Have you got, have you got any thoughts on slamming? Why, why do the windows slam? You don't slam windows, do you? I've got like, um, in my house, I've got like this ridiculous like blind set up. They're like wooden Victorian blinds that we inherited. Definitely can't slam those, so no. Uh, you're not going to do that. Phrase, really. That's a nice character to the to the house, though, mate. Nice old Victorian yeah, glass exactly. style. Yeah, bit, to- bit Tory, but you know. <laughs> um, right. Let's. There's there's only one place we can start this one, mate. Like I say, I did I did want to wait until the transfer window had closed because I didn't want to be moaning about us not signing Pedro Porro and have that be out of date the next day. Um, but we, I do think we have to start on the fact that as could only happen to Tottenham Hotspur. Our manager is out with cholecystitis, I want to say. I want to pronounce it that way. Cholecystitis. Antonio Conte is out for potentially six to eight weeks um, after having his gallbladder removed. It's <sighs> what, what, what do we say to that, mate? I mean, that's whether you, know, you, you like him or not, you don't want your manager... This limbo isn't good for anybody, right? It's not even limbo. The manager being absent from the team for two months is pretty massive, right? Yeah, and I love. So obviously, we were speaking about this the last couple of days, and like, I love the way we thought. Right, we'll do it the day after the window, so the dust has settled, and we don't even get the dust to even settle with Tottenham. <laughs> no. do we? Like, it's just it's the first thing I wake up to is now the manager's like, you know out for the foreseeable um i don't know i've seen a few people sharing this stuff about the nhs website it says it's like three week recovery in a normal job and a six to eight week recovery in a like a a manual job which i guess you can kind of say that football coaching kind of is um it's just really worrying isn't it especially when like our biggest game of the season is in two weeks time i think it's two weeks two weeks yesterday which is a milan game um and i think like it's just it's just been a horrific year for this guy. Like, if you if you take away all the Tottenham side of things, like he's lost three really close friends, including one um, colleague who he obviously works with every single day. It's a huge part of his setup, um, which is horrible for anyone to go through. Then this has happened, and like just like that on a human emotional level, he's like he doesn't live with his family. Like his family live in a different country, um, and I think you know putting aside whatever anyone thinks about like the Tottenham, the effects that he's having on Tottenham and the manager and all that kind of stuff. It's just a horrific on a human level, isn't it, that he's going through this at the moment? Yes. It's, um, and then you kind of... I didn't even realise until we'd been speaking about it quite recently, like, not us, but every the Tottenham community, <laughs> of, uh, that, he, he, that he doesn't live with his family, that they're all still in Italy, which is kind of bothersome in another way. It doesn't really scream, I want to be here long term. But still, you know, it, it's, it's fucking, it's horrible. And I, I definitely agree with you. It's not... I don't know. I just it's, look whether whether he's here or not as our manager. I don't like I say. I don't. I don't want us to not have a manager for two months. You know, if if it is that long, I, I imagine he will be on Zoom calls with. We we we're assuming it's going to be Stellini taking over, right? So he's going to be in constant communication with him, isn't he? You'd imagine. Yeah, I think so. But I think one of the things about it for me is like. Um, and it's weird to like look at this thing through like the lens of Tottenham, and you feel kind of selfish talking about how it affects Tottenham. And really, it's much, you know someone's life is much more obviously important than that. Everything that we sort of talk about and do is through the lens of Tottenham because we're Tottenham fans. So it's sort of the way that we sort of talk about it. But it feels weird to be saying all this in the first place. Um, 
But one of the things for me is like Conte's whole thing is like he coaches games from the sideline and like he sort of, you can see him in the games like talking through instructions, like um, obviously he's got his like automations and things. So I think removing that is a huge, it's, it's not good for us. Um, it's, I think, you know, part of what makes Conte Conte and part of what makes him the manager that he is, is being on the sideline, isn't it? And like barking these instructions out literally through the whole single game. So even if it, if it's like a reduced capacity and he sort of sat down in the in the in the stand or whatever, even if he's there, I think it's going to have a huge effect on on how we operate and how he operates. So it feels selfish to look at it through the lens of Tottenham, um, but I don't think it's a good thing at all. I think it, you know it's definitely going to affect us in probably a negative way at a really really crucial stage of the season. It's funny, man, isn't it? Like we talk about, I mean, people, well, people talk about the idea of like simulation theory and you know alternate timelines and multiverses and all that type of stuff it, i just it's, it's it's sometimes quite hard to find the words for spurs and i get it I, th- I know we're sort of sensitive to it because we consume every single piece of tottenham content you know we both make a fucking tottenham podcast for fuck's sake and listen to all the other ones but i just like this stuff that just happens the fact that that our manager is out, that he's that he's having to have an operation. And I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, I do. We do have to always take on board the human element to this. But it, it, their jobs are different, right? The, this world that they exist within, it, 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 it's not the same as like any of us. If if somebody or if one of our colleagues gets sick at work, you know, there's somebody in the public eye. It's the same with actors. It's just, it's, it's just, it's different. They're just in a different kind of, stratosphere so we kind of do have this almost cold detachment to talking about them as almost a, a sort of a commodity in a way I guess but I just I just cannot get I cannot get over like you say like the dust settling and the lack thereof there's just always something you know we've had fucking Paratici the other week which we'll talk about later on but we've had all this stuff. Yeah, with I was Paratici. literally just about to say this is it's come at the exact time when our even our director of football was like, you know, at, at best going to be sort of not even able to operate in our country within within a few weeks' time or whatever is going on. It's just mad. Um, yeah, and like it's just like even something which ended up being quite good, like the Pedro Porro situation, which I know we'll talk about soon. Like even that went through all sorts of like rigmarole and things, and I, like two. Two two days ago, I woke up to the news that it, you know that wasn't happening. That was off. Like, it just ha- seems to have happened at every stage of everything for us. There, I, I don't know like what it is. Like, if it's the universe or if it's a simulation, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if we only experience it through the lens of Tottenham fans, so we, it happens to every club, and we just get it for us, and we just know about the ones that we know about because we experience everything through Tottenham lens. But oh, I don't know, man. This I don't. I don't believe that this stuff happens to every club. Did, I believe that there is some kind of bias against us or something. Something in the universe. I mean? that we've did done. you see Tom Foynes's massive like monster thread he did about all this? All the fucking random awful shit that's happened to Tottenham. He was basically making the case that we are definitely the most cursed club in existence, and it was just hundreds of examples. I think he. I genuinely think he got to a hundred examples of mental batshit stuff that has happened to this football club. And I know what you're saying, like, and well, I was saying it a minute ago that maybe we are more sensitive to this, but I also think, like, what what other club, right, has, and Sol Campbell, you know, he's in the news at the moment, has, through their academy, had a player of, whatever we think about him, the calibre of Sol Campbell, to be an England international, to be club captain, to be a homegrown hero who runs down his contract, (laughs) leaves on a free, goes to our biggest rivals, and that very season wins the fucking double in our stadium. Like, that... that And that should be enough to finish any fan base off, but then that's like one of a hundred of sort of similar... That is probably the the, the one. Um, one, The other one that sort of gets me is the, the, the Champions League thing, where we finished fourth and then Chelsea won the Champions League. Um, losing our place and they then literally changed that rule the year after so we're the only team that will ever affect in the history of the game the one time we get to a Champions League final we have that fucking random shitty handball that wasn't a handball that was so random they changed the fucking rules after that happened to us as well 
Like, and I know Obviously, yeah, you sound I mean, like I... whinging victims, but this shit is consistent, isn't it? I'm glad you mentioned it earlier because I, I actually, you know, I do, a, I read a lot of stuff and I watch a lot of, I've watched a few documentaries. You know, if I'm ever in the, in the zone for this kind of thing, I, I, I'm really into simulation theory. And I, I just think this must be like part of the simulation is that they've just created this football club just to sort of fuck with the human existence. And it's just like one big social experiment because it's, you know, one, two, three of these events, um, you know, you can put it down to like bad luck, but this is like, this is insane, the amount of stuff that happens to us. Like literally the day after a transfer window, you know, our manager's gone, our director's in the mud finance, um, legally. It's just like, there's no way that this cannot be the universe social experiment on human psychology and we're all part of it and we're all guinea pigs. Maybe we're just part of the save game of somebody who is really shit at whatever incredible version of football manager exists that we exist within like it, it, and th- that's 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 our iteration of this multiverse that's that's we've just gotten the unlucky one and I, I've sort and of then thought- the simulation goes right i'll tell you what we'll do right so we'll let them finish above their rivals on the last day of the season but then the next season after that <laughs> the rivals will be top of the league and then exactly all this shit's happening usual. the backdrop is also going to win the fucking league this year as if do you know what I mean? We didn't even get to we didn't even get to gloat about finishing above them on the last day of the season for like a month, and then they they're, turned into like the best team in the country straight after. They're doing it. Their Pochettino team is actually fucking doing it. Do you know what I mean? Their Pochettino project, their their group of lads that they all love and they're all bought into with this young fucking asshole Lego headed manager. They're gonna do. Oh, look, I, maybe the other. Do you know one of my other theories, mate? other than simulation theory, is that everybody outside of Tottenham fans doesn't exist. Only Tottenham fans exist, and we're all in hell. That we're actually it's already like the in hell. Show yeah. like... <laughs> or like, like the Truman Show. The Good Tottenham. Place. Did you ever watch The Good Place? Yeah, great show. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So that's maybe just, that's what it is, you know? Daniel yeah, Levy like, is um... some kind of Ted Danson type... Yeah, I mean, we must wonder what we all did in like the past iterations of life to have, to have, to have had to have this as passed down to us through generations. Fuck, I just it, look. That's that's a start to it. But can I'm sort of saying can can we take a positive from this? Are there any positives? Could Stellini be maybe the the unheralded genius that will be unleashed under the wing of Antonio Conte? Or I mean, I, look, I don't. I don't want to really manifest stuff in this way into existence, but is there even any chance that Antonio Conte is just like, you know what, lads, maybe we should just, you know, fuck this off. I, I actually, so I two things about that. Firstly, I think like, I don't really know much about Stellini and I don't really know, like professor to know like his history of what, you know, his career history or anything, but I, I do like the way that he talks. I think he's a better talker in the press conferences than Conte at times. Um, you know, I think he, I like the way that obviously now you probably it might ascertain the fact that it was because of like ill health or whatever. But I love the way he just sort of was in the Preston game. He just like chucked Stellini in front of the press, like even though Conte was managing that game. Um, but the two games that he's done that for, one of the the one where Conte is ba- banned for, and this one, I think Stellini talks really well. I think he talks a really good game. It's less of a cryptic um, shit, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's a better community. I, I, I think a lot of the thing with Conte sometimes is it's just his handle on English is not that great. Yeah. Um, I think what appears to be cryptic and like you know you can't really decipher it is actually just the fact that he doesn't really doesn't quite have the language to communicate his ideas properly, um, which is fair enough because it's very difficult to speak in a second language. But I I do kind of feel like the I don't know it's just, it just feels like this you got a guy who obviously you know for a, a kid not kidding ourselves doesn't really want to be here next season um his family live in italy he's going through a traumatic year and then this has happened it might just be like a a time i I can guarantee they must have at least considered it like both sides like daniel levy and conte himself the main factor of this must be thinking do we just end this now and just be like look i'm gonna blame it on my health it's a good time to just get rid of it and go and say you know, my health is men that I can't do this anymore. Um, I don't know. They, they must at least be considerate, it must be. Especially when you think, like, you've got Pochettino waiting in the wings, um, who's now also being linked with the Well Madrid job, which is a bit of a worry. You know, you've got other managers available too. 
They must be considering it, right? I think. Do you do you reckon they'll go? I think they'll go too sure. I I just I can't see yeah, this going back to. I, Arch, I don't know. I, yeah, I know. I, if you sort of if you think about like the history of Daniel Levy and his ego and his kind of like. He's not one to be like, I made a massive mistake there. Exactly. This is what I mean, you know. This is kind of, this is what I was thinking, you know. And like I keep saying, you know, like as I always go on about on here, like there is that part of me and I know it. I know if if we did bring Poch back first game, it'll be class, singing his magic, seeing the big Argentina flag up there. It'd be great. And I'll I'll definitely lose myself to it on an emotional level. But I do, I I just don't know if it's healthy anymore. I don't know if it's healthy to go back. Maybe we, we just need to go forward. But don't fancy Thomas Thomas Tuchel. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. D- I think doesn't really um, appeal to it, me. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he came into Chelsea in a similar situation and won and won the Champions League like straight away. So I, I don't know. I think like on the on the precipice or or on the face of things, like Tuchel is the best manager available right now. Like he's got the best CV, plays pretty decent football if, if at times. But I just think there's too much going against it that I just don't want to do it. Mainly the fact there'll be another Chelsea manager. And like, what's kind of like uh, littered his career is he always seems to like moan and fall out with the owners. Yeah. So it's just like it's another example of someone like you Mourinho just or so Conte. Clearly just, see it, they're going to clash. Like, they're going to clash big time. Eighteen months time, you know, we'll be sat. I'll be sat here, fucking rabbiting on here, just basically being like, in his last press conference, he was basically just calling the club a sack of shit. You know, and we we you can just so you know where it's going. That's the problem, like with him. And it'll be the same sort of thing where he'll be promised like um, all of these assurances and things, and then they won't sort of transpire as much as they were promised to. And then eighteen, we'll be in exactly the same position we are now. My worry about Pochettino is like, I think having the Pochettino card is so important. I think it's got, I think he will definitely come back at some point. There is unfinished think, like, business, we, isn't there? There definitely is. Yeah, of course. And it's not just about. It's, it's in everyone's head. It's in, that, it's in my head. It's in the fan base. I think it's in every player that's played for him. They're probably still thinking about it all the time. All fans, regardless of whether they want him back or not, it's always constantly in the back of our minds just because he's there. And he left such a shadow on our club of like, he basically took us to things which we have never um, seen since. Like those, the times that he brought to us and everything like that. Um, and it's, and it's, I can guarantee you it's also in the head of Daniel Levy as well. He must be thinking the whole time that what's happened since then has not gone well and he must be thinking like regretting that decision must weigh on his mind all the time must weigh on the fans mind all the time the players mind all the time and certainly on Pochettino's mind all the time as well I just worry that it'd be like we're playing the card too soon and then once we mm. play that Pochettino card it's never that, that's it then surely that would be if he comes back now and fails that's it's a waste of that sort of having that guy come back and save us um so I do wonder it might be too soon to do it. I'd, personally, I'd rather do it when there's no players that played for him last this, time. This is what I've seen people say. The, the best time for him to come back is when Harry Kane is gone. Because yeah. he, he can sort of build up from the ashes of that. You don't want to have him go through. Cause let's be honest, Kane, whether he signs, extends a contract or not, he's probably gone within the next three to four years or whatever you'd imagine, maybe. I mean, he might see out his career with Tottenham. We might have him for another six, seven years. But, you know, I, I don't know. It, it just, it feels like, like you say, there's a lot still, you know, still got Son there, still got Lloris. It feels like we're on the we're on the edge of that painful rebuild, which, and we, we will get into this, that is just seemingly delayed, forever delayed. Um, but have, yeah, having said all that though, if he did come back, I know I would be all in straight away. Like it's just, I've never loved a manager that much. I doubt I will again. Like it's no no secret. That I'm you know I like Conte. I like what he represents. I like the fact that he wins and he's he sort of bleeds winning and like success everywhere he goes and everything. But um, Pochettino is a totally different thing, isn't it? Like he just, I don't know what it was. There was something about it where he just got the club straight away, and he's the first manager in my lifetime that sort of like when he spoke about Tottenham it was like a fan talking about Tottenham yeah do you know what I mean it was like kind of it was different it wasn't the same as like you know we've had people like Redknapp who refers to us in the third person sometimes and like Conte is is quite similar as well he talks about the club and what the club are doing but Pochettino it just felt like he was one of us I don't really know why because you know he had no like prior links to us or anything like that just sometimes in life you just get those connections and that connection just means more than anything of every other manager that I've ever experienced in, in my lifetime. But I just worry that if we waste that connection, then it's 
it's such a waste of the, the the ace in the hole that we have. This has sort of come out of nowhere, hasn't it? Because I'm just looking it up now since you said it. Yeah, he's he's just been absolutely slashed odds on favourite to be Real Madrid manager. It's yeah, uh... I think I think it's basically from what I gather. I'm not massively um, clued up on it, but I think it's basically pretty much guaranteed that Ancelotti is going to Brazil in summer to be the Brazil manager. That is random. Um, it's random, yeah. Which means that obviously that job will be vacant. And yeah, I mean, who you know? Again, the, the interesting thing about it is you could e- you could easily see Conte going to Real Madrid, and you could easily see Tuchel going to Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I imagine we'll probably end up with one of those three managers next season. It's pretty mad, isn't it? Who uh, there's a, there is a part of me, you know, like we talk about Tuchel and all, and all this type of stuff, but I do like. Aren't there any like? There must be some like young. Who's that little ginger lad that manages? You know, he's he's, he's some random like twenty-something English lad that manages like Rems or someone like that in 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 France. Have you seen him? No, not, I don't think I've seen him. No. It's hang on, let me just find this Rems manager. So William Still, he's tw- he's twenty-nine. No, he's just turned thirty. He's just turned thirty. Um, he's from Belgium. He's not English. He's uh. I oh, know, but well, he's he's sort of English Belgian. He he's from England, grew up in Belgium, um, and he was the under fourteen manager at Preston North End, like in twenty eleven. <laughs> Jeez, what the fuck, man! Like, yeah, must have been in his one. early twenties. He did like video analyst stuff, and I don't know, but they just uh, I don't know if you saw, they just got a um, last minute last minute draw away at. Um, at PSG the other day, so you know. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, I, I, you know, like the the other sort of names coming through. Like, I guess one to keep an eye on is obviously the Brighton manager because he's Italian anyway. Which obviously, if we if we do have Paratici going at that time, then that's you know it's, it's always Real a good thing. I do, vibes, I, I do, yeah, there is, there really is. But I don't know how much of it is just because Brighton are like the best round club in the world and like they do everything right. And how much is actually him as a manager? But he, you know, I don't know. I, I get really, really strong, strong vibes from him. And then I guess there's also like Thomas Frank doing a pretty good job at Brentford, and he seems like a pretty decent guy as well. But I do think like whoever does come in, I'm pretty excited because I know we'll, we'll get onto this shortly. But it's like there's a lot of good young talent coming through our squad now. Like we've got all these players. We've got like Spence, Poro, Udoji, Bentancur, Kudelski. If you, you know, the right manager with that squad could really you know, really, really been an exciting thing. And I do sometimes think, you know, regardless of what, the fact that a lot of our players are still here, just imagine Pochettino with like Udoji and um, Poro as wingbacks. Like, imagine Get Alfie Devine involved. Get him in the mix. Yeah, you know it's I mean? just, it's, it's an exciting time, I think. It's an exciting time um, about thinking what comes next because, and that's kind of brings us back to what we were talking about at the beginning is that the next phase is obviously, it's been, it's, it's incoming, isn't it? Because we've lost a manager, um, temporarily, but you know, I don't think anyone at this point really thinks he's going to be here next season. And the director is also like, it's unlikely that he'll be here next season too. So it seems to be on like the the verge of a huge change again. I, I mean, I did want to talk about Pedro Porro, but let's let's stay on this thing because it, it feels more relevant. I mean, this is so. This leads us to the elephant in the room, which is Daniel Levy, Enoch, their stewardship of the club right now, because. Understand, I understand the argument that people say, oh, it's very easy for, you know, some podcaster sat around talking about this, like, you know, the ins and outs of running a football club. And I, I take that to some degree, but also I, I don't like this kind of, um, this sense of like that fans have absolutely no idea what's going on. A lot of the time, a lot of this stuff is Occam's razor, right? The, the most sort of obvious thing is generally true. And yes, I, I can understand there may be some complexities to transfer deals when we're all sat there saying, come on, just fucking pay the money and get this one over the line. It probably isn't that simple. When there are things like the continued, let's say, mismanagement in the past few years of the football club, we've all spoken about the kind of the the win now managerial appointments, but not giving them the win now players. That kind of that that mess that seems to be ever present at Tottenham, right? We do have this kind of core of young, exciting players, but then we always have to ask ourselves, why did we? Why did we then? Whatever we think about him, don't don't take this as me 
digging him out because he's doing anything wrong. You know the type of manager you're hiring with Antonio Conte. So why are you hiring Antonio Conte, but then say, you know, wasting the likes of Jed Spence or, I don't know, I've said Alfie Devine already or Brian Hill or, you know, it, and it, it seems like we have this pattern that continues to develop where you, you talk about it being exciting. It should be. I, I completely agree with that. And I don't want to piss on that. Like there is the foundation for this club to be very, very exciting. But like, as we've just spoken about there, you can just as easily see Daniel Levy. If Antonio Conte goes now because he's unwell, because he's in, in poor health and he just decides, look, that's it. Let's draw a line under it. Or if he goes in summer, which seems likely, we can just so clearly see him bringing Tuchel in. It, it, just seems, it just seems so obvious that that's what will happen. And like we say, we're going to be in this same position because Thomas Tuchel is going to be saying, well, great, you know, I've got this this Destiny Adoji lab, but I, I don't want some 19, 20-year-old. I want somebody on Perisic's level and I want you to spend the money on that. And I need to have two more centre-backs that you need to spend. And we've lost Hugo Lloris. Hugo Lloris is too old and gone now. And I need you to spend... I don't, I don't want some promising kind of... I don't want some ex-Brentford keeper... I want Oblak. I want you to spend eighty million on him. Do you, do you know what I mean? So it's it's it, we're still sort of. It feels like we're in this limbo of being this kind of super club or this aspirational super club, and wanting to have this ethos of nurturing youth and bringing that through. And that's what I'm more for. I find that I find that more exciting. I think that's something you can really get behind. And I hate. I fucking hate to say it. But Arsenal are proving that you can be a big club and still do that. So why why aren't why aren't we doing that right now? And why did none of the noises that ever come out of the club seem to be that? And uh, yeah, we can all say probably that the reason for that is Daniel Levy now. And I have I have stuck up for him a lot over the past few years. Really, I think he's done wonders to get Tottenham to this. You know, I I think he doesn't. I think there's a lot of recency bias. People probably don't give him the credit. I think he's personally due for getting Tottenham to this point. But I'm definitely now fully in that kind of band of people now that is, I think it is time for Levy and Enoch to go. I, 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 I would be happy for them to sell up and leave now because it feels like their their limited experience of managing a club at this level, the club that they have built Tottenham to being, is is really showing now um yeah and, and, and yeah. i wanted to speak to you about this because i know you are you're you're pretty enoch out on this and i know you're not I, when i say this, i mean everybody knows who you are everybody who listens to this will will know who you are but for anybody that doesn't for any chance but he's not one of these like swivel-eyed kind of like you know the <laughs> the chairman's a parasite type people but you, you are pretty up for getting rid of him right Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, I am. And I, I just feel like... It's just like when we talk about the beginning about all these things that happened to Tottenham, like how much of it is down to bad luck and how much of it is just down to the fact that we're a very, very poorly off football club. Um, I just think like that if you if we just talk about a couple of things that you know from Daniel Levy's footballing perspective, because no one, nobody can argue that he's not done a, a great job in like the financial side of things and the the building the club up to be to become an elite club and growing our club stadium and all that kind of stuff. You know. 
that's that's what he feels that he's great at that. On a, on a purely footballing term, he's a pretty terrible operator. Like if we if we talk about hiring managers, first of all, that like he's he's pretty terrible at that. I think he's had 16, 17 managers hired over his 19, 20 years that he's been here, and like you could probably account three or four of them to be a like surefire success. Pochettino, Redknapp, Yol was sort of. Um, he didn't hire Yol as a manager at the beginning. It just sort of like fell into his lap when Santini left or whatever. Um, people could argue the same about Pochettino. So if you remember at the time, like Van Gaal was like touted as the number one choice, and Pochettino ended up happening <clears throat> as a result of Van Gaal rejecting us for Man United. Um, that was obviously a great appointment. Redknapp was a pretty good appointment too. And then Conte, obviously, on the face of things, it was a great appointment at the time because it, he sort of took us to the Champions League. But then hiring Conte and then sort of not really going full Conte was just a, that's a mistake. It's ended up being a mistake because he's not going to be here next year. Um, I mean, he's, he's publicly saying that he wants to buy experience old players like Casemiro, but the club aren't doing it. So my question is, if, if the manager is asking for something and the club are doing something else, what are we doing? Why are we wasting this time now? What is the, what is the idea of that? And I think it's kind of like we basically stumbled into a, an, an excellent period where we had... A great manager, a great team full of young players playing amazing football under Pochettino. And we didn't capitalise because mm. we went 18 months not signing any players. And we failed to capitalise on that. And it ultimately led to Pochettino leaving. And we're still sort of feeding the ripples of that today. A lot of those players we, we can't shift. Um, that were sort of poorly bought. Our recruitment, our player recruitment has been pretty poor over the last few years. Um, it's been pretty poor as well. Did, did you see um, Sean Walsh? Did you see his? Uh, he he shared a list of Tottenham signings since the Champions League final, and it's it's pretty disgusting, really. When you look yeah, at and kind if you of... just look down at our um, if you look down at our like most expensive signings, they're, they're pretty much all flops to 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 a man. Um, you know, you've got people like Sessegnon on the list. You've got Davinson Sanchez. You've got you know even going back to like Darren Bent, Lamella. Like he was you know Lamella is obviously a sort of cult hero, but he was certainly not someone you could you could call like a surefire successful record signing, which is what he was. He wasn't Gareth Bale's replacement, was he? That's that. I mean, he literally exactly. was. But what I'm saying, exactly. A lot of our sort of best buys have been the sort of the sort of ones that have you know like your Deli Ali and your Hoyman Sons that have just sort of come out of nowhere. Um, and the the thing is, which this is frightening, is that we look like we're starting to get that on track. We look like you know we're buying some ex of the most exciting players around Europe, and then suddenly, the person who's in charge of that is about to be arrested and be um, probably banned from like operating in England. And like For you what, two again, years, you can kind it? of call two years? yeah, and you can you can kind of attribute that to bad luck. But really, so basically, you know, like in the the Little Red Riding Hood where the wolf dresses up at the grandma as the grandma. We've basically hired that grandma. And, like, <laughs> and now Daniel Levy is going, oh, I didn't even realise he was a wolf at the time. Like everyone, you know, everyone who works inside football must know what Paratici was like. like it's not, it can't be a secret. Like some of the transfers that have happened in Juventus um, between some of the clubs, like he, he, Daniel Levy must have known what he was getting himself into. And yet it's, he has been a great, good appointment in the sense that he sorted out a recruitment. But now... He's about to be like banned, and like again, it's another decision which is going to backfire in the end because we're going to lose him probably, almost certainly. I think the only reason why we have him at the moment is because he's appealing the whole thing, which I assume will be unsuccessful, and then we'll just be back to square one. So again, it's like you can say like, oh, such bad luck hiring somebody and then them getting arrested, but is it? Like, was that a surprise that he was going to be arrested for this in the first place? Like, did Daniel even not know what he was getting himself in? Of course he knew. Everyone knows that Paratici and like you, everyone, like the Juventus thing has not just come out of nowhere, has it? It's like they've had a history of doing that kind of thing. So, so while it looks like our recruitment was suddenly on track again, it looks like we're going to be back to square one in a couple of weeks. I think one of the one of the biggest things to me with all this now is that I'm just I'm just tired of having these conversations because it feels like we've been having it for for years now, and we literally it doesn't feel like it. We literally have. And because I, I was just talking to Charlotte about this the other the other day, I remember so vividly that summer when we lost Modric, and we were just just in this sort of game of brinkmanship with Moutinho, who was just the perfect replacement for Modric, absolutely perfect. We could have had a seamless transition, probably anyway, 
from I mean, well, we can't say that definitely, but we've seen the quality of Jamatinia since he's come over in his late thirties to Wolves. So you're telling me that he would have done you know exceptionally well in that Tottenham team back then. Not getting that over the line. A player like Jack Grealish, another one which I think there was something more there with Aston Villa kind of pulling the rug. But I think as your tweet said the other day, if this sort of stuff keeps happening to you, how 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 often can you say it's the other club's fault? You know, what is yeah, it? Yeah, and I we, think there was that yeah. one as well that someone pointed in reply to that is that Bruno Fernandez came out in an interview and said basically he was he thought he was joining Tottenham. Um, and that, you know, that's an, and it, the, the, the biggest thing about all of those transfers is to me is if you remember when Moutinho signed, it was like, this is AVB's big signing. And if we give him this player, you know, we're setting him off on the right path. And you could argue the same about Fernandez and um, Mourinho. And you could argue the same about Grealish and Pochettino. Like, it's just a, it's a failure to back these managers that we hire. And as a result, we're always changing managers. Like, um, none of those, you know, were, you, it's it's difficult to 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 think of many managers under Daniel Levy's tenure that have been like properly properly backed in the transfer window. Um, did, I know we've you know yeah. I know there's some caveats to that and stuff, but it's just like you it's just we're it's the same cycles over and over again. It, it, it looks like again, it just it often feels. Again. I mean, to me, it just feels like we're always living in in the future, right? We're we're always being told like we never just like you just want the fucking the team sheet to be slapped on a wall in front of Daniel Levy and say, look, this is how the team is now, right? What we need desperately, at least one centre-back, ideally two centre-backs. We need a left wing-back. We need some sort of creative outlet in our midfield. And we need, need, need a goalkeeper. We need these things to be a functioning football team right now. Like, right now. So it doesn't matter really if you've bought us Richarlison this summer. Okay, maybe we don't get Bastoni. Maybe we don't get our tier one top target. But teams like Brighton (laughs) are unearthing gems constantly. There has to come a point, surely, when the club starts to ask questions of people doing whatever jobs they're doing within the club that we can still look at our team and honestly say, okay, we still, we are still playing. And I, I really don't want to dig them out because I think they do a, a great job within their sort of skill level. But the fact that we still regularly have defences comprised of Ben Davis, Eric Dyer, Jaffet Tenganga and Davinson Sanchez is just astonishing. It's astonishing that... Right, great. We got Romero. That's that's brilliant. That's a good bit of business. But it doesn't stop there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think what, what I don't know if you've seen it's been doing the rounds at the moment is this tweet from Alistair Gold from 2021 where he says, um, "Tottenham." I think it was the end of the summer of 2021. He said, "Tottenham have got Romero in. I understand that the next priority in the next transfer window is to get two new centre backs." That was in 2021, and it's now 2023, and we still have not got those centre backs. Um, and another thing, I don't know if you've seen that, you know, this sort of Guardiola interview that's going around at the moment about Cancelo. He's talking to someone on BT Sport. Now, I'm not obviously not comparing us to have the sort of riches of Man City and the ability to buy and sell players like they can. But it's just interesting that he says, like, if you don't continually change the playing squad, then the sort of everything goes and there's no sort of desire to keep changing and keep winning and keep doing this. And like Pep Guardiola, like Cancelo was like one of their best players last year. And he's just sort of got rid of them straight away. He's one of the best wing-backs in the world, right? Exactly. And he's he's sort of constantly refreshing the squad. We've got players that have been... I saw someone tweet today that um, Davis and Dyer have been here for 17 transfer windows, which is just unbelievable, isn't it? And you can, you know, I know know, they're great professionals. They're great. You know, we all like the, the character that they bring and the sort of... Um, the respect that they command because they're, you know, they're great guys. They don't have any scandals or anything like that. They, they love playing for the club. They'll never kick off or anything like that. But if we, we have to have upgraded on them two years ago and it's now two years later and we still have not upgraded on them. And it's just like, I think our last sort of, if you look at the sort of history of us buying centre-backs, it's been really, really poor. Like since Vertonghen and Aldevaro days, we've not got anywhere near the quality of that until we find Romero. Um, but... That's just one example, you know, we're still sort of in the shadow of Toby and Jan, who are the two, at the time, the best two centre-backs in the country. And I do think, 
so I don't know. I don't know if you saw. It's, it's quite cheeky. Um, it was pointed out that in sort of one of Pedro Porro's videos, the soundtrack to it was "Patience" by Guns N' Roses, and I just thought, like, lads, I get it. It's a bit cheeky, and it's probably the social team having a bit of a laugh and stuff, and maybe the hierarchy at the club don't know what's going on. But at the same time, man. We went three fucking transfer windows. People might think that's not a big deal, but look at look at the way Liverpool fans are kicking off. You know, after one transfer window, of, you know, I don't think they brought anybody in, did they, this year or this this window or something. We went three of those, all under the understanding, and I do think we grumbled about it a bit. But I think Tottenham fans were patient. We knew the stadium was getting built. We knew that money had to come from somewhere, and I, I do think a lot of this, like the anti. Enix sort of sentiment now yep a lot of it has always been there but I I don't I just like my heart on my sleeve I don't look at this one anymore and I don't I don't buy into as much the kind of the naysaying about it about people just being entitled about people just kind of having a tantrum I think there's more substance to it now I do and I'm not speaking for every single person involved in these kind of Enix out protests but I'm just saying that the way I can see it now is that Tottenham fans have been patient, right? We've had none of us, none of us asked for, none of us asked for White Hart Lane to be demolished, right? We we loved we loved the times under Pochettino. We loved the sort of thought of Tottenham challenging, but I think most Tottenham fans I know were also happy with us being Tottenham, the Tottenham that played at White Hart Lane. We have good cup runs here and there, and we can enjoy our team. We can enjoy being this kind of middle-of-the-road team that has aspirations of going on. They bulldozed that. They built this super stadium. They put us into this place where we've had all our memories and everything like that consigned to fucking rubble with the promise that we're going to have this brand-spanking new history of this spaceship-like stadium. Then just fucking give us that now. Do you know what I mean? You can't keep us in this limbo. And I think this, this is where I'm starting to get frustrated with it. And I can understand. It's like, you, you cannot charge people like I, I i i didn't i didn't get it on a on a resale from somebody charging me more for it, it cost me a hundred pounds a hundred pounds to go and watch us play arsenal a hundred fucking quid for a football ticket like off off of their website off of tottenham's website like that's how much you're charging people to come into the stadium and like i, I don't get paid a fortune i have to make that money come from somewhere and we're still continually told, and I understand, right? We are paying more. We are we are buying more players. There has been more spending. Pedro Porra has come in, but at the same time, there are still so many deficiencies within the squad, and just the glacial pace that it seems to con- just still take the club to do anything. I think it, a lot of people's patience has just worn thin on it. So I'm I'm sort of yeah. ranting about it now, but I no, 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 like, I totally agree, and I think like. That for me is the thing which sums it all up is not like being sort of upset about what's going on now. It's thinking about what we actually gave up because at the time in 2017, 2018, whenever it was, like we were the absolute bollocks. Like we were unbelievable. Yeah. We won 17 of our 19 home games. We abs- we wiped the floor with anyone who stepped foot in White Hart Lane that season. And like we, we, bo- we knocked that down. And at the time, fans were not sort of, you know, we weren't grumbling about that because we were sort of, we bought into the idea that what's coming next will hopefully be better than that. But we're now sort of three, four, five years later, and you can attribute some of it to the pandemic, of course, but that slowed down things slightly. But we're now like two, three years out of the pandemic, or, you know, in a football sense anyway, we've had two, we're sort of two seasons past that now. And like, you know, you see the reports today that we're about to sign a record deal with South Africa, 46 million coming into the club um, sponsorship. Um, you know, Beyonce has just announced three dates. Like, all of this money is coming in. I thought, I don't know if you saw the list last week that announced that we're the third highest club in the world football for match day revenue. I think it's only PSG and, and another, I can't remember. Who United, else, I third think it is. is it United? United, yeah. yeah. PSG are first, United are second, I mean, and we're third. United are like the fucking 100 million. New York Yankees are fucking football do you know what i mean like they're a brand it's exactly a, it's a fashion we made a, we made a we made a hundred million pounds just purely on match day revenue like this there's, there's huge amounts of money being sort of generated by the club at the moment and like 
then at the, so we gave all that up with the hope that this and the whole the whole stadium and we just start acting like a big club and then still you get the i don't know if you saw the gary jacobs article where it's like why the power of broke down is because of the admin fee and i get that you know it's frustrating when the, the selling club keeps saying, you know, you need to pay this more, this more, keep adding more. But frankly, when, you, when you're buying someone's best player, you're going to have to take a few L's and you're going to have to say, right, we're going to pay a bit more than we expected. You just got to do it. Like, big clubs overpay for players. What happens when you're a big club? Um, and I'm not like one of those people that thinks, you know, we've only spent seven million in January because, I, you know, I think the if, if you read the reports, it's, I think it was Sporting that wanted the, wanted the Pedro deal, Pedro Porro's deal to be alone, not Tottenham in the first place, for their financial records. And Pedro Porro is a great signing, but that is the the problem for me is that we we take these baby steps and we're, we're starting to improve. Like last summer was starting to improve, but we never like fully go for it. We never have a window where we like throw caution to the wind and just go out and buy three, four, five amazing top quality players and think right. There's no question right now that Antonio Conte has been backed. You can argue he's been back to, you know, there are certainly some signs that he's been back. We've written off some players like Ndombele, Lestelso, we've brought in some big known players like Richarlison. But it's not, he's not got a window like Graham Potter or something like that. I'm not, um, again, I'm not saying we should go out the same kind of money that Chelsea are spending. We're not going to be spending at a rate where we, can, where we can't question at all that Antonio Conte is back. And what was even the point of moving into this mega stadium in the first place? Because that's what we were promised. We were promised that this would take us to the next step. At the moment, we're still on a pretty similar step to the one we were in before the stadium. It's, it's just funny though, isn't it? Like I look at, so let's look at Bastoni. We identify him as our number one target for summer, right? And it seems like from all the noises that we hear from everybody that we, we were genuine in that interest. He wasn't that keen on coming at this point in time. Fair enough. And so our fallback option... It's just, oh, well, let's have a look about and see who's available from a big club. Oh, we'll just loan Longley because he's sort of at odds with with the club and he might be all right because he sort of plays in a position that we need to strengthen. But, is it, I mean, is that is that the depth? Because that, that's the problem for me. It always feels like we're... Even Emerson Royale, right? We spent a bit of money on him, but we, <laughs> we only got him because Barcelona needed to sell some players. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not like we've kind of identified him and scouted him and thought that's definitely sort of the player we want. It's just kind of like, oh, that's a coincidence. He sort of plays in a position that we need and he's available. So go on then, let's get him in. It just where's the sort of scouting? Why if we're not yeah, and it's just if like, we're not getting Bastoni, who clearly is a great player, surely there must be some other left centre back with a similar. I mean, I know there is because even you know, like you see like. Nathan A. Clark and many of the people he sort of follows and interacts with, they have all sorts of scouting profiles on players all across the world. And you sort of wonder what is what is fundamentally lacking at a top flight football club where we don't have any sort of reserve options. Somebody that we can because this is the thing, like you say, it's not about it's not about me looking at Chelsea spending two hundred and fifty mil this window on Madrid and on Fernandez. It's about me saying, Well, is a not is a it's a genuinely not even like some 10 mil player from Serie A somewhere. I, I don't care how much he is, but if he looks like he kind of is the business and he can kind of adapt to playing in a position that we need, like just doing that money, like almost like a money ball type thing. But it just feels like there's such indecision constantly at Tottenham. There's this sort of brinkmanship, indecision, and just this opportunism. Like I say, with signings like Royale, with signings like Emerson, uh, with uh, Longley, with, I guess even like, and it paid off for us this time, but even with Bentancur and Kulisevsky, they came out of the blue and it was just because Juventus needed to shed a couple of players. It's, I don't know, it, it, I just don't feel that bought into any sort of ethos, you know? And I think that is the, the, the main overall problem that I do have with Daniel Levy. It's the sort of, we've never quite taken the next step, which is what we need to be to be like a club that is constantly challenging for the major honours. If you took the three times that it's happened, one of the times under Redknapp when we were one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the league in the first half of the season, and then we ended up with the, the Sahara and the Nelson January, which is obviously famous in, in Tottenham folk for now. Another time was when Pochettino turned us into the best team in the country. And we went in the, and we, again, we, we didn't sign any single players. Now, if either of those were, those opportunities, we'd just go on and say, Do you know what? Let's just go and spend 100 million, buy a few players, bolster what we've got, and let's see if we can win the Premier League. And, you know, it could have happened. Certainly would have been a much more chance than what ended up with both those managers sort of being sacked. 
again, Conte, he gets us into the Champions League um, and we had no right to be there because we, we were awful un, under Nuno and we really shot ourselves in the foot at the beginning of the season. He's got us in the Champions League. We've got this manager, Conte, wins everywhere he goes. He's won a league, league last season in, in, in Italy and he's saying, look, what I want is these experienced players like Casemiro. Why don't we just say, look, we've got Conte here. Let's just give him everything that he wants for once. Let's, why, do, why don't we just do that? Instead, we're sort of half-arsing it by giving him yeah, some great players that he's asked for, like Richarlison, but then sort of also saying, right, why, we're going to give you Spence as a right-back. Now, obviously, the, the fact that Spence might be a great right-back, a great young right-back is a different argument, but Conte didn't want him, which is the, the, the main thing, and he hasn't played as a result, and now he's in France. So, like, we, we just never take that final step, that final gamble, that speculation of just saying, why don't we just go for it for once and just really, really take that next step? And that, for me, is like the thing that sort of punctuated Daniel Levy's tenure is we've never been we've never taken that final risk and just like thrown caution to the winds see what happens at the other side of it it sort of works though doesn't it because even now I'm sort of thinking well we did sign Pedro Porro though you know we did drop that money on it and it does make you it it, it replaces that feeling of great yeah we got Porro in but the, the squad is still lacking in so many other positions that yeah right it papers over the cracks a bit but you know it's i don't know let, let's, that is let's, pretty, that, yeah. you know that's i think that's all that we want as fans isn't it we want signings like that and that is a without whichever way you look at it, that's a great signing it's an exciting signing it's putting a lot of money behind the manager and the team is that and that is what we want to see more of we want to see more of those type of deals where we're going out we know that right back is a is a huge problem for us let's go and buy one of the best right backs in europe and that if we you know if we continually on this path of doing that then we'll be all right and none of the fans will be complaining that's all that we want as fans is to be the club that goes and buys those players and so yeah i'm really really excited by that signing please please just let him be good do you know what i mean you know as we were talking about at the beginning of this he's going to turn out to be absolutely terrible now isn't he (laughs) did you see anthony ap who's who's often on here just tweeted imagine if he's shit you know, and that's After just all of this. Yeah, you know, After, or either that, or he's going to do his ACL against Man City uh, or something like that. But he does—he does look good, right? It is somebody that we should be excited about, right? I, I, what I will say is, he looks—he looks raw. I think, like the compilations and stuff I've seen, he looks raw, and the sort of like the lung-busting, mazy runs he does, take him sort of opposition players on. I'm always interested to see how that sort of stuff will translate to the Premier League. Not to get too sort of <laughs> cold Tuesday night in Stoke about it, but do you know what I mean? The Premier League is a, it's a different it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? You know, it's there's a lot of fast, strong players here that you can't really mug off as easily. Um, yeah, and it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because like if you look at sort of like if you look at someone like Chelsea and some of the players that Chelsea have signed over the last few years, you think. That is an amazing... Like Timo Werner, people like that, that's an amazing signing. He's absolutely fucking brilliant at Leipzig. And then they just can't do it in the Premier League. So you do... like I I don't think that's going to happen for Pedro Porra. I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. But I guess with any kind of player that comes in from a different league, there's always that sort of, are they actually going to hit the ground running? But I, I would just love if this was like another Kulisevsky and Benton guy. And I do think that is a really underrated thing that happened with those two players as they hit the ground running in the Premier League, yeah. which does not happen. Like If you look at all the players at like Liverpool, like Gakpo is struggling at the moment, um, Nunes is struggling at the moment. That's he a really, awful, really difficult he, thing Nunes. to get right. And we got it right twice last year in January. So if that happens again with Dan Juma and Pedro Porro, again, it was actually signing those two players that ended up getting us top four. I truly believe that. Like That was the sort of the magic that we needed to get over the line in the end of it. So... Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, we, you know, we spoke a lot about the sort of the doom and gloom of Daniel Levy and all of this, but there are signs that our recruitment is changing. And then obviously, on top of that, you've got the fact that the guy doing it is now probably going to be banned from football forever. So there you go, you've got that on top of it as well. <laughs> Do you know, dare I say it, Porro, with the, the comps I've watched, there's shades of a young Kyle Walker about him. That's what kind of excites exactly. me about and it. Like, it's been so long, man, since we sold Walker. And Trippier, I think, was he was a pretty good player for us. Um, I know one of our mutual friends, Oliver Lister, absolutely loves him. I think, and I think he was the best thing that we bought since Walker in in the string of right backs that we've had in the wake of that. Um, but we've had it's just been a gradual decline of right backs, hasn't it? Like starting with Trippier, then Aurier, and Doherty, and Emerson. 
So I'm I'm really excited about this one because it's it's been what how, when did we sell Walker like five six years ago something like that I think so we haven't got it right really since um, so I'm really really excited for this Matt Doherty what so... I think who else will be excited is I don't know if you see these compilations of but it, it looks like he can cross a ball like from like an, an unbelievable level yeah Harry those, Kane's those deep buzzing. like, like Trent Alexander Arnold type crosses isn't it yeah Kane is going to absolutely rip those apart isn't he? I, I'm really excited for that. I think Kane's going to be buzzing. Like it's just like Doherty was was touted as someone who could, you know, cross the ball and get assists for Harry Kane. It's it's never really happened, has it? And Emerson, you know, we don't need to go any, go there about his sort of you know output in the final third. So I think this is going to be huge for us. And I I think there's a chance that it could really change the way that we play this season um, in quite a massive way. It's just exciting as well, man. Do you know? Because I, I was thinking about this, Son is quick but he's I mean he's not like mega quick do you know what I mean I was thinking like this we haven't had since like Walker Aaron Lennon a really really properly I guess Gareth Bale as well a really quick player and it's just it's quite nice sort of the thought of that again now seeing someone like Porro be able to just like bomb it down the wing just run at people the old bums off seat effect right it's, it, it, we need and, a bit of yeah, that yeah and I've always I've always thought like you have you can have every stat, you can have every analysis, but I always think that football is such a simple game, and the one thing you you just can't defend against is pace. Like, you, there's nothing really you can do when someone is running past you and you can't catch him. Like, I just think that is what we've sort of been lack, like. We've we've been so, a bit stale, haven't we, on the right hand side? Um, Kuliseski is a fantastic player, but he's not a pacey player. He's a really technical player. We just really miss that sort of dynamism. And I think what's really exciting as well. Thinking of next year when we've got Udoji on the left and Poro on the right, we've got Spence as a backup as well to that. Like it's pace, 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 and I think sometimes that is all you need. You spoke about Matt Doherty there. Um, obviously, we he's was seemingly going to be loaned to Madrid, and then we've released him. From what I vaguely understand about this, it's because we had too many players out on loan already, and. He'd agreed a deal with Madrid, and I think we've just done right by him. Basically, is that kind of what we can get from this? I think so. Yeah, like, I, I think like um, I think a lot of people felt a little bit hard done by about what happened to him, but this guy's just ended up at one of the biggest clubs oh, in he's Europe. Laughing. You know what I mean? Like he's, 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 he lives in playing... fucking Madrid, playing for Atletico Madrid. Exactly, and they're they are you, you could have a pretty good argument they're a bigger club than us. Um, obviously, they've won a lot more recently than we have, and they've got you know they've had a much more sort of apparent success than we have over the last few years um yeah so I, I just think like that and then i think like it's again it's another symptom of just being a quite badly operated football club that, that happened in the first place i wasn't someone that was like shouting daniel leave me out over this whole thing like i saw a lot on twitter i just i think people are just looking for lots of reasons to be angry at the moment aren't they i wasn't like one of those people that was find that particularly you know wasn't particularly annoyed by it because i just think it's a play it's a, a player who's not good enough He's leaving, the, we're terminating his contract and he's playing for someone else. I don't think it's that deep, but it's again, it's another reason why you just sort of think, how do we not know how many loan players we have and all this kind of stuff? It's again, it's one of those symptoms of being quite a poorly run organisation. Do you um, do you think we've like not done right by Spence? You know, I mean, because I think there's a few things at play here. I think, like we say, it's the kind of mismanagement giving Antonio... Conte, a player like Jed Spence, a club signing, if you like. Um, so it's kind of a, a dereliction of duty on our part, but you can't, I don't know. Th I think this is one of my sticking points with Conte. Like, I feel like he could have been a bit kind of, <laughs> a bit nicer to Spence maybe, but maybe, you know, that's not the type of guy he is. That's why he wins the top stuff. But it just, I just kind of feel for the lad and respect that like he's gotten this exciting move to Tottenham. He's just had the season of his career playing in the championship, being part of the team that's been promoted, being in the team of the season. He's he's finally earned his big money move to a Premier League club and nothing. He's just been in complete stasis all season and now, like you say, been loaned out to France. You kind of got a feel for the lad, right? Yeah, and I do think like... Um, you know, obviously everyone knows I'm a fan of Conte, but it, it's not like, it's not unique to Spence either. I think the treatment of Brian Hill has probably not been very good either. Like, he sort of came into that Palace game was fantastic. You think, right, this is it now. But Brian Hill is going to be getting, and he hasn't really played since. And, uh, you know, now he's back in Spain. I do think 
there is definitely some. I do think you know Conte could certainly be open to playing these players a little bit more. And it, because you know, if you had if you had a winger that was playing unbelievably in Kuleseski's absence, then you could say right, there's no case for Brian Hill anyway. And if you had a right back that was playing amazingly every week, um, there'd be no case for Spence. But that hasn't happened. Like we haven't had that. We've been severely lacking in those areas. So I do certainly think they've been hard done by him. What I don't think, though, is that I don't think like Conte is saying, I'm never going to play Spence as a message to Daniel Levy um, to not buy these players again. I, I see that quite a lot online, but I don't think that's true because I think if, if Conte believed that Spence was good enough, he wouldn't not play him just to send a message to Daniel Levy. I just think it's a bad, bad... I just don't think Conte like trusts young players or whatever. I just don't think that's his thing. Um, and again, it sort of speaks to the fact that if we do, if we are hiring Conte, why are we sort of giving him these players in the first place? Well, let's hope he does well in France and can come back and be a you know serviceable first team player. I was really, just... yeah, I was really encouraged by those sort of reports that he he turned down moves uh, to Premier League clubs with an option because he wants to to last at Tottenham. I think, you no, know, I think he's going to outlast Antonio Conte if we're honest. And I think well, that's it. He probably knows really Conte's going, player. doesn't he? Exactly, and it's a you know it ha- happens to all of you know ha- happened to Harry Kane countless times before he started. You know, Gareth Bale similar similar situation himself like didn't hit the ground run at Tottenham. You know, he's a young player. He's got he's got plenty of years ahead of him. I think you know if we can have Polo, Udoji, and Spence, that's three really really exciting fullbacks. Um, so yeah, I think if we once we change managers, I think we'll we'll hopefully see the best. And if you if you do if we do end up with Pochettino, like who could be better than him? Then, than sort of bringing out a young fullback than what he did with Tottenham's fullbacks would be be really exciting again. Obviously, I've been on one today, um, so you know I'm not going to bash people's ears for much longer. But before we do wrap it up, um, got Manchester City at the weekend. I was sort of torn about <laughs> as beat because I was, I kind of had in the back of my head like we're going to beat Manchester City twice. We're going to take six points off of them, and Arsenal are going to fucking run away with the league. And when we went 2-0 up, I was actually kind of like, I would, no, I wasn't conflicted. I was just like, this is good. This is fine. We're going to win 2-0 two, two away at the Etihad. This is great. And I was actually pissed off when we capitulated. It, it, it said to me that like, yes, right. It, 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 it did, I think it said at the time it sanded off the sharp edges of it, knowing that it, it pushed City closer to Arsenal. But it still wasn't good to see Tottenham capitulate like that. We're at home now. We've given them one. It's different, right? We've got, we've got to be winning this. Whatever the fuck it does for Arsenal, you want to see Tottenham beat City, right? Yeah, I've I've kind of given up on that idea that I want us to lose um, for the sake of the title just because it doesn't really seem to matter what happens. Arsenal just seem to be winning every... I just, I'm not going to worry about that at the moment. I've sort of mentally blocked that out of my mind because they seem to win every single game at the moment. They're just lestering it, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I'm just not even not even giving it the headspace. So, just want us to win. Um, that was an interesting one because it was a game that I wanted us at the time. That was more when I was thinking maybe Arsenal will slip up if Man City put the pressure on, but they just don't know that they're going to do it. So, at the time, going into that original Man City game, I was kind of like I didn't really mind if we lost. And then we ended up going two 0 up, and I by the end of it, I was like gutted that we lost a game that I wanted to lose in the first place. Like that was the sort of the ultimate Tottenham thing is that we made a game that we wanted to lose heartbreaking to lose in the way that it happened so it's like I, I just want to win this one yeah I just want to be sort of I think it would have been very different if the Poro when the Poro signing was off if, if we'd have gone into this Man City game with no Poro it would have been a, the, the ground would have been horrendous it would have been so toxic but we've got an exciting signing um, we've had a mixed January where you could sort of argue it was, it was, it was good to, to bad to some people say it wasn't good enough some people might say it was okay but we have signed one really really exciting player without a doubt um, so yeah, I think the gram will hopefully be buzzing, and it's just like again the man Harry Kane, isn't it? We want him to break the record. That's what you know. So I do think we definitely want us to win. I'm not, I'm not worried about Arsenal and what they do anymore. I'm just sort of not giving that the energy anymore. It'll be good. I, I I should have sort of spoken about that, seeing Harry Kane break the record this uh, this game. Um, he, he leveled it obviously with a pretty sort of wonderful goal. It would be <laughs> classic Harry Kane goal, wasn't it? Like, it'd be yeah, classic Kane. And it would be it would be quite funny if like the one that breaks it is an actual tap in after years of him being called a tap in merchant. But he loves he lo- you know last season he loves playing against Man City, doesn't he? Like he was, that was probably arguably his best ever game for us. So I just love for him to like have a 
you know what I would love is to win one nil and Harry Kane to score the winner and that be the record goal. That would just be that would be that would be it for me. I want it to be to be a really meaningful goal that may, beats us, beats the reigning champions. I don't want it to be like the the consolation goal in the five one loss to Man City or something like that. I want us to actually remember that goal for it winning a game. He, he, he wins the game for Tottenham in the league for Arsenal, his boyhood. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go, back to the simulation that rounded off this whole thing. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 